Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Social Contract, a Commander podcast. I'm Mike Allman, and joining me is a really nice cup of coffee. Uh, today, I'm going to go over a deck tech with you all of something that's near and dear to my heart, something that I have mentioned several times on the podcast, and not too long ago, actually got to play on stream with a couple of wonderful guests. This is the Arden and Jessica deck, what I have referred to lovingly as Rita Repulsa and the White Ranger. So... We're going to go over the deck itself, we're going to go after the theme, uh, and then we're going to talk about what makes it tick, what makes it interesting, and why it's a deck that I like to play. And, you know, specifically for a podcast where we talk about group hug and political value and interaction with the table, we were able to make one that has to deal with actual spell table gameplay. It was really interesting to think, hmm, I'm not sure that this will work because it interacts and gives things to other people on their board. We kind of thought of a funny way around that. It didn't come into hard play uh, as we actually played the game because there were some interesting things of people popping off. However, it was really interesting to be able to play a deck like that. And we might be investigating some of the ways that you can take a deck that is very, very reserved for playing in person, but how to convert that into a more online experience as well with your friends. So here we go. So the whole point of the deck itself is Arden's ability matching with Jessica to create political value. And what I like to say is it doesn't matter what everybody's deck is playing this week. Everybody is playing Voltron. That's the whole point of the deck itself. So let's go over the commanders. Arden, Intrepid Archaeologist. For two generic and a white, Legendary Creature Core Scout, 2-2 two, two with Partner. Has the ability at the beginning of combat on your turn, you may attach any number of auras and equipment you control to target permanent or player. Now that means that we can do a lot of really mean things with curses, and I'm not going to lie, there's a couple of those effects in the deck, but there's not a ton of them. Because where we're really going to lean into Arden is equipment, auras, but mostly equipment. We're going to try and soup up creatures to either gain value ourselves or to allow for a better attack for somebody else down the road. Um, this also means that we are negating a lot of the equip costs. And anytime that you're talking Boros and you're talking equipment deck with Boros, that is going to be something that is pretty key. He pairs very well with a whole lot of different commanders. I'm sure you've seen the Ragrak, and that will always be the way that I pronounce his name. Uh, I Come at me, haters. I, I just love that, that good little boy. Um, but the one that I thought would be the most interesting was Jessica, Thrice Reborn. Now, this is two and a red for a legendary planeswalker, Jessica, that comes in with zero loyalty. However... Jessica, Thrice Reborn, enters the battlefield with a loyalty counter on it for each time you cast Commander from the command zone this game. So as you cast Jessica, it'll come in with, she'll come in with one counter. But if you cast Arden before, then it'll be two. If it's the second time you've cast one of those commanders, etc., etc., etc. So, starts out fairly small, unless you're in real late game, and in that case you might be in trouble, because, again, Boros. But, for zero... 
Choose target creature until your next turn. If that creature would deal combat damage to one of your opponents, it deals triple that damage to that player instead. That's the main topic of Jessica, and we'll get back to it, because Jessica's other ability is minus X. Jessica Thrice Reborn deals X damage to each of up to three targets. Jessica Thrice Reborn can be your commander and also has partner. So it is very unlikely, unless it is absolutely dire straits, that Jessica is ever going to be used for their minus X ability in this deck. Maybe you need absolute spot removal for the biggest threat you can possibly think of, but that zero ability is going to be the big one. Now, the main things that we need to keep in mind here is it's choose target creature, so hexproof on an opponent's creature, can't do much about it. Um, until your next turn, if that creature would deal combat damage to one of your opponents, it deals triple that damage to that player instead. So it doesn't give it triple damage. It gives it triple damage that hits an opponent. Trample effects, things along those lines. That's going to be effective, but it's only going to count the damage that hits the player itself. The other part of this is that it says until your next turn. So that doesn't mean that I'm necessarily just trying to soup up Arden all the time. That's kind of our end game. But if you have a better attack for the player to your left to go ahead and swing in to the arch enemy. Or if you're trying to make a deal and stay alive, there's a really effective way on board with Jessica. The other thing to keep in mind is, even if you don't have a great attack, if there's not a great attack for anybody, but you want to make sure that you're probably staying safe, have Jessica use their ability on someone because they can do extra damage to anybody they hit that isn't you. So it's a really fun way to make deals, do some politics, see what's what. And that's kind of the whole point of the deck. We want to turn everybody into a Power Ranger. We want to give everybody as much equipment as possible. And Rita Repulsa over here, Jessica, her zero ability is literally make my monster grow, is the way that I read it. Plus the horns, the aesthetic, all a really good look. That's kind of the plan that I went with in making this deck. So why don't we get into the deck itself? Now there's a whole lot of equipment. There's a whole lot of things that we can talk about uh, for, well, our, our equipment and Aura's commander. There's a couple of these that we're going to just glance over because let's be real. I, I don't need to talk to you for three minutes about all that glitters. Uh, I don't need to talk to you for a whole lot of time about all of the different equipments that are on this deck. Uh, but we're going to start with what I call the armory. Now, these are the most important, biggest, most powerful effects when you're talking about the deck. Uh, the first one we're going to lean into is Argentum Armor. Now, this is crazy. Uh, this is a six generic artifact that says... Equipped creature gets plus six, plus six. Whenever equipped creature attacks, destroy target permanent. And it costs six to equip. Now, this is a high-cost artifact equipment with a high-cost equipment abilities cost. Here's the difference. When you can put this out for six, or you can put it out for a reduction, all of these other things, more importantly... If you have one of the effects, and there are multiple that allow you to equip things with no equip cost, this is going to be a very good way to have a very good attack very quickly. So, 
The other point of this is if I were to put this onto Arden, great, when Arden attacks, I will destroy target permanent. But if I put this onto somebody else's creature, it's still my equipment. I still control it. It's just on somebody else's creature. So when that creature attacks, well, I can go ahead and pick something to destroy. You want to talk about a really good political piece? Hey, your commander's awesome. I'm going to soup it up. I'm going to give it plus six, plus six, and it can swing out and it can hit a whole lot of stuff. By the way, if it comes to attack me, I'm going to blow it up. It's a fun way to go ahead and keep things a little civil. Um, maybe, though, six, six, that's not what you're looking for. So how about we look into Colossus Hammer? Now, this is a an uncommon from uh, Core 20. It's a one mana equipment artifact. Uh, it just says, equipped creature gets plus 10, uh, excuse me. Equipped creature gets plus 10, plus 10, and loses flying. Well, that's really cool, except for the fact that it has an equip cost of 8. Here's the funny thing, though. This deck doesn't care about equip costs for the most part. It just wants things to happen. It just wants them to happen quickly. Uh, so if you want to try an alpha strike and see if you can get in for lethal on turn two, on well, not on turn two, I guess it would have to be about turn three or four. But if you're looking for a way to get in for lethal very quickly to take a player out and then possibly be arch enemy for the rest of the game, there's a, there's a chance you can pull it off with this deck. But that's not really what we're leaning into. That's not what we want to do. And then we're going to close out the armory because, oh boy, we have to talk about all the swords. So we have the the, the big baddie, the Sword of Feast and Famine, three, genera, uh, three generic artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, and has protection from black and green. Whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, that player discards a card and you untap all lands you control. This is one of the more powerful equipments that's out there, if not the most powerful, because it gives any deck the ability to untap lands. Plus, it allows for some protection. Plus, it makes your opponent lose cards. It is insane. Um, the other ones that we have in here, Sword of Fire and Ice, plus two, plus two, has protection from red and blue. Also very fun to rhyme with. Equip Creature deals combat to a player. Sword of Fire and Ice deals two damage to any target, and you draw a card. The drawing card is huge. I think that doing two damage to any target is something that gets overlooked a lot. There are a lot of smaller threats and things that need to be removed, things that need to be pinged, because they're never going to attack in combat. But this gives you a way to ping some things, and it's as a bonus for the thing you're already doing while you're already drawing a card, which is always nice. Um, and then Sword of Sinew and Steel... This one is just for destroying things. Plus two, plus two. Protection from black and red. Whenever equipped creature deals combat to a damage to a player, destroy up to one target planeswalker and up to one target artifact. And keep in mind, it doesn't say that that player controls. So you can hit things and then destroy other threats. Sometimes this is a card that you can actually get somebody to, in case you don't have a good swing, even though it has protection from black and red, you can use this as an ability to say, hey, I need to hit you with this creature, but if you let me, I'll blow up this Planeswalker and this artifact on somebody else's board. Always nice. So that's the peak of the armory. There's a ton of other equipment 
in the deck. Some of it we'll talk about a little bit later, but some of it is, you know, the standard stuff, the Swiftfoot boots, the Lightning Greaves. Um, one of the big ones in here is Sunforger, which is a finisher in and of its own right as a tutor equipment. But those are the ones that we're trying to get out there for really cool, just weird effects. Let's go ahead and talk about the ramp. And ramp is one of those things that's always difficult to pull off when you're in red and particularly white. Now, there's a couple things in here that go outside of the norm. But, of course, this is a commander deck. So, yeah, it's got its arcane signet in there. Yeah, it's got the soul ring in there. It has the wayfarer's bobble. If you're not running wayfarer's bobble in white decks, uh, you should. Because a one generic artifact that says pay two and tap it, sacrifice the bobble, search your library for a basic land card, and put that card onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. It's a rampant growth with a couple of hoops, but it's still there. The other thing to consider is white somewhat, but especially red, very good about bringing artifacts back or playing with artifacts, manipulating artifacts. So if you have the opportunity to pick up a couple of these, until they get reprinted, they're only going to go up in price. So, uh, over at <laughs> over at the commander's quarters, I know Mitch is uh, always beating the drum of the Wayfarer's Bobble, and he's right to because this is a fantastic little artifact. Um, one of the other ones that leans into the artifacts is Sword of the Animus. Now we talked about a bunch of swords before, but we missed one. That's because it's more of a ramp piece. Sword of the Animus is a two-mana legendary artifact equipment that says equipped creature gets plus one, plus one. And whenever equipped creature attacks, you may search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield tapped, and then shuffle your library with an equipped cost of two. Now, like all of the other equipments that we've talked about so far, yes, the creature that it is equipping is going to get plus one, plus one. Just like the creatures that the other swords were equipping were going to get their plus two, plus two, and their protection from the respective colors. But the effect is for you. So when Sword of the Animist, when that creature attacks you, regardless of who that sword is actually equipped to, are going to get a basic land. This is something where if you know somebody has extra combat steps, or if you know that you just want to get some value and you don't have the creatures to do it this turn, well, fine. I'll take the sword back next turn, and you can you can go ahead and give some creature plus one, plus one, and either they don't get to attack because they don't want to give you an extra land, or you're getting some value out of it. It's always a fun thing to do. Uh, the other one that we want to talk about is Inspiring Statuary. Now, this is a non-traditional uh, piece of ramp as far as I'm concerned. This is a three generic artifact that says non-artifact spells you cast have improvise improvise in the italics the help text your artifacts can help you cast those spells each artifact you tap after you're done activating mana abilities pays for one generic mana so there are a ton of artifact spells in this deck uh, we're talking about 13 specific artifacts as well as a couple of artifact creatures but there's a ton of non-artifact spells in a deck where you're going to try and put out as many artifacts as possible to equip creatures with because it's a ramp piece, something along those lines, the ability to tap them to reduce the cost of everything else, always something that we're going to look into as an option. Last two that we want to talk about here. Uh, first one is Dowsing Dagger because it is two of the effects that we care about. One, it is going to be an equipment. So that means we're going to be able to put it onto a creature 
very early and uh, it's gonna give us a good amount of value for it. This is a two generic artifact equipment. When Dowsing Dagger enters the battlefield, target opponent creates two zero two green plant creature tokens with Defender. So you're already gonna be giving somebody some value, which we know isn't a terrible thing. It, yeah, we don't wanna go ahead and help people out too much to the point where they can kill us, but we do wanna help out people enough to where they don't want to kill us first. Equip creature gets plus two, plus one, and whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, you may transform Dowsing Dagger. Now, we like that because when we do combat damage, it does one of the other pieces that we love to do in Boros, and it gives us a land, and it gives us ramp, because it transforms in the Lost Veil. Lost Veil transforms from Dowsing Dagger. Tap, add three mana of any one color to your mana pool. It is not hard to find a way to get in for a win with this deck. So, the idea of giving that to another player who can attack, the idea of giving that to a player and just hoping for the best, or the idea of doing it yourself, pretty easy for getting an extra ramp piece. Uh, the last one we want to talk about in white, because it is our favorite white card that's come out for a while, is Keeper of the Accord. We're going to bang the drum for this card Keeper of the Accord, three generic and a white for a human soldier, three, four. At the beginning of each opponent's end step, if that player controls more creatures than you, create a 1-1 one, one white soldier token. At the beginning of each opponent's end step, if that player controls more lands than you, you may search your library for a basic lands card, put it on the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. So here's the thing. This is an awesome card for ramp for any deck that has white in it that isn't playing green. We're not playing green. This is a great ramp piece. Awesome. The other part of this, and the thing that is often overlooked with this card, we're not going to try and flood the board with a bunch of creatures. This is a Voltron-esque type of commander deck. But the idea of it having to be Arden, who's our commander, to be the Voltron, well, we don't care about that. We just want to make something real big. Yeah, commander damage is usually how we're, we're going to personally win, but... If you have the ability to make a 1-1 one, one because somebody else has three creatures to your Keeper of the Accord, something along those lines, we don't have a problem with that. A 1-1 one, one with a bunch of swords is still a bunch of swords on a creature. So the value that we can get from this is incremental both in the ramp style and in the helping our board state. That's what we're looking at for ramp outside of the traditional pieces. Let's go into card draw, because that is always one that can be a little iffy. Uh, we already talked about the Sword of Fire and Ice. When it hits, we're going to get some, we're going to get some, a card to draw. The others that we're looking into are based off more of attacks, more off the cards that we're going to cast, and leaning into the same effect when we hit somebody with one of our creatures or when somebody hits with one of the creatures that we have something equipped to. Uh, we're going to start with Mask of Memory. This is too generic for an artifact equipment. Whenever a equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, you may draw two cards. If you do, discard a card. So this is a super loot. Because not only is it something where we have the option to draw two cards or just stay pat in case you've got a lot of cards, doesn't matter. But we're also only discarding one if we draw two. So... Definitely nice value on there with an equip cost of one. So even if Arden isn't out, this is something where you can get it out there without a super high cost and turn it into a 
draw two, discard one on a repeatable effect, as long as you're able to get in. Uh, with that, we also have Rogue's Gloves. Real simple. Too generic for an artifact equipment. When equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, you may draw a card. Cost of two. It doesn't give us as much draw, but we don't lose a card at the same time. Just giving us more options. Uh, when we get into the creatures, though, that's where we got some spice. Uh, we're going to start with Magus of the Wheel, because that is a fairly well-known card magus of the wheel two generic and a red for a human wizard three three that has for one generic and a red and tapping sac sacrificing magus of the wheel so not something you're going to do unless it has haste but each player wheels they discard their hand then draw seven cards if you need to do a full reset it's not about getting a couple of cards and you want to have another political piece to talk to everybody about hey if i wheel here is anybody going to come after me or can I get some free time? Always a good bargaining chip. But the rest of it is going to be creatures where it is more of a conditional draw. Uh, we start with a Kiri, Fearless Voyager. One generic, a red, and a white for a legendary creature, Core Warrior, 3-3. Three, three. Whenever you attack a player with one or more equipped creatures, draw a card. It has the ability, pay a white, you may unattach an equipment from a creature you control. If you do, tap that creature, and it gains indestructible until end of turn. So this isn't something where you want to make more Voltron than not. This is more about spreading out your damage, which can be a little bit problematic. Because you're not wanting to do that if your main goal is commander damage. You're not wanting to do that if you're not planning on putting out a big, wide board. But it's an additional way to try and get some card draw at the very least. The second ability is the big one. Because the idea of unattaching equipment to a creature you control, making it indestructible during attacks or something along those lines, or just as a protection piece, is huge. It's immense. It's a really good way to protect your board and any of the terrible, terrible things that your lovely friends want to punish you for. Uh, speaking of punishing, let's talk about SRAM, Senior Edificer. Now, this is a card that goes in just about every white equipment deck or a deck. I don't know that there's a ton of vehicle decks, but it, I mean, we got a lot of dwarfs and we got a lot of ways to do it soon. Uh, SRAM, Senior Edificer, is one generic and a white for legendary creature dwarf advisor whenever you cast an aura equipment or vehicle spell draw a card and it is a 2-2 creature uh sram is a mono white voltron commander staple uh it likes to do a lot of the rewarding you for the thing the deck wants to do and that's always nice that's it. <laughs> it's a card draw effect that synergizes with everything that we are trying to do with the deck. But at the same time here, we want to double up on that. So how about we talk about Wyleth, Soul of Steel. One generic, a red, and a white for a legendary creature, human warrior, 2-2 two -two with trample. It also says when Wyleth, Soul of Steel attacks, draw a card for each aura and equipment attached to it. This can be pretty fun because... You can, out of nowhere, play a couple of cards in the same turn with Wyleth out, attach all of these cards to Wyleth, swing out, and replenish your hand from the immense amount of low-cost spells that you just made. If you have a way of giving Wyleth haste, which there are plenty in this deck, you can draw a good amount of cards pretty quickly. Plus, having a 2-2 trample for three, three total mana 
with the ability to get extra value for doing the thing you want to do. Synergy is very, very important for having fun in a deck. And it doesn't necessarily mean that everything has to have its exact place. But when you are casting things with the idea of this is going to go with this, this is going to go with this, these things build off of each other, that's always fun when you're playing by yourself. However, when you're doing things that you get to involve the other people at the table, that's even better. Wyleth is a little bit harder with that because there's only one or two ways to kind of pass Wyleth around, but that's all right. Um, next one that we're going to talk about here is Pure Steel Paladin. Another one of those white equipment absolute staples. Uh, for white, white, you get a 2-2 human knight that says whenever an equipment enters the battlefield under your control, you may draw a card. It also has metalcraft. That says equipment you control have equipped zero as long as you control three or more artifacts. Now, this means a couple of things. One, fantastic. If somebody targets Arden to remove it, I still have another piece that I can move around my equipment as I see fit. But here's the thing. There's nothing better than souping up something else, attacking, and then moving it all around after your combat step. There are abilities in this deck to give things instant speed equip. So being able to synergize with that, move things around, somebody decides that they're going to betray you, well, you have a way to actually deal with that, as well as a way to draw cards for the deck doing the thing that it is designed to do. Always very nice. The last thing we want to talk about is not an equipment base, uh, but it is a fun, it's a fun spell. Uh, we're going to talk about Valakut Awakening. Now, this one is from one of the more recent sets. Two generic and a red. This is the modal double-faced cards. Uh, with this, yes, it can be a land on the other side if you're really, really in trouble for land. But we want to use this as its instant ability, which is put any number of cards from your hand on the bottom of your library, then draw that many cards plus one. So... It's a wheel that replaces itself at the same time, which is nice, and it's just for you. The other part about this is, like I said before, we have Sunforger. So this is a card that we can search for and cast if absolutely necessary because the spell side is its front face. We love this card. We like the fact that we have a fairly reasonably rated wheel, depending on what we're dealing with to go with everything that we're doing. So it's not a terrible amount of draw, but yeah, we would absolutely want more, but you know, red, white, Boros, we're doing our very best. Let's get into the focus of what the deck actually wants to do. It wants to equip things and have our opponents attack and possibly have one of our creatures attack from time to time. Kind of depends on the situation. One of the major concepts in making that happen is reducing the cost and reducing the timing restrictions of all of the equipment that we want to use. So, of course, we have a Sigarda's Aid in the deck. For a white, you can cast this enchantment that says you may cast aura and equipment spells as though they had flash. Always very nice having flash, being able to do things at instant speed. Great. For one mana, that's awesome by itself. The other thing that it says is whenever an equipment enters the battlefield under your control, you may attach it to target creature you control. So for one white, you can give all of your equipment and all of your auras instant speed. And your equipment can cast and attach for no cost. 
So when we're talking about reducing the amount of resources that we have to put into equipment, because that's the major downside. It's a lot of mana to equip, to have something out there. It's very conditional. This is at least removing a couple of those conditions. Uh, next thing we're going to talk about is how we're going to get more damage in, how we're going to encourage attacks, even if it isn't our creatures that are doing so. And this is one of my favorite pet cards, Duelist's Heritage. This is an enchantment, two generic and a white, that says whenever one or more creatures attack, you may have target attacking creature gain double strike until end of turn. Now, target attacking creature means that it's not on your combat. It's on every combat. You can choose a creature to give double strike, as long as it doesn't have hexproof or shroud. So let's say we give a bunch of equipment to one of our friends. We soup up their commander, and we then have the option to give that commander double strike. Do you think they're more or less likely to attack at that point? This is when the attacks are happening. So you can decide. You get to determine all of this before. Now, that also means that your friends can absolutely betray you and say, can you give a double strike? Okay, great. Now it's coming at you. That's not great. But it's absolutely fantastic if you want to encourage some attacks, if you absolutely want to get some damage through. And with Jessica's ability, you want to get damage through. Sometimes that's unblockable. Sometimes that's things like double strike and duelist heritage. Another one we want to talk about is very, very recent. Uh, this is a land card that I'm putting in more and more Boros decks because I'm realizing the theme of those decks that I have. And that is a land called Axgard Armory. Axgard Armory enters the battlefield tapped. Uh, you can tap it to add a white mana. However, for one generic, two red, a white tap it and sacrifice Axgard Armory. And I understand that's a lot. That's basically five mana and losing a land. Search your library for an aura and or an equipment card, reveal them, put them into your hand, then shuffle your library. It's a five mana tutor for two cards based on what you're trying to do. There's a lot of equipment in this deck. There are a few, not nearly as many auras, but there are enough that it is worth it to find them at instant speed if you've got the mana up if you're looking for a finisher this is a really good way of picking them up and i really like a land that gives me some utility and if it comes in tapped fine just kind of depends on how i'm playing the hand depends on if i have to find something because i haven't gotten my card draw equipment i haven't gotten my make everybody really really sad uh enchantment that we'll talk about a little bit later um, but it is definitely one of those cards that does a good amount of work if you're willing to pay for it just a little bit. Uh, the last card that we're going to talk about here is undoubtedly my favorite card in the deck. It's one we've talked about several times. It is also just a fun card in general, and that's Assault Suit. So Assault Suit doesn't just mean that oh, everybody's going to get a turn at the table with it. It means that you are going to control a lot of attacks and you're always going to be safe from them. So Assault Suit is a four generic artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, has haste, can't attack you or a planeswalker you control, and can't be sacrificed. At, each, at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, you may have that player gain control of equipped creature until end of turn. If you do, untap it. So here's the thing. There is a misconception that says, oh, well, if I get rid of the assault suit, 
then I just get to keep this creature as an opponent. You don't, because you get to keep that creature until end of turn. You have to go through so many hoops to make Assault Suit not work that it's almost not worth it. Because all that's really happening is you're getting a creature that is no loss to you if it dies, really. And it is souped up, and it's attacking. My favorite thing to do is to take Arden, soup it up, and then pass it around the table. Because if anybody else has any equipment, great. They can attach it to him as well. And we can go around and around and around. And if I've used Jessica's ability, targeting Arden, this is a creature that goes around and is a kill shot if it attacks. But it also is doing so with everybody getting an opportunity. So the amount of deals, the amount of what is going on here that happens with this card is hilarious. Even more so than that in this deck. Assault Suit can be attached to somebody else's creature. And then you can give that creature away to the other two opponents. You won't get a turn with it, which is unfortunate. But everybody else? Oh, chef's kiss. So silly. So it's one of those cards that's really good for making it go all around the table. Hopefully. Um, but at the same time, sometimes people get real upset and they will kill you. So be aware of that. Speaking of killing you, let's get into the finishers for the deck. Now, there are a couple that are very, very simple. Uh, Boros Charm is a card, everybody. And if you want to give a creature double strike, or you want to give permanence uh, indestructible, or you want to deal four damage to target Planeswalker or player, it's really nice to be able to do that for a total of one red and one white. Giving something double strike in a deck like this, in really any equipment deck, but especially one that increases the damage incrementally, that's always going to be really powerful. We're going to move on to Kedis because I want this card to work so, so bad. And I just haven't gotten it to get out there. But it is an absolute beast if it plays in the right spot. Kedis Emberclaw Familiar, one generic and a red for a legendary creature elemental lizard, 1-1. One, one. Whenever a commander you control deals combat damage to an opponent, it deals that much to each other opponent. So... This is a really good way of pumping up Arden, giving it some way to be unblockable, of which there are several, giving it double strike, just making sure that it connects via protection, unblockable, everything that we said, and then really hurting the board with it. This is not a two CMC creature that you should be playing until it's time for someone to die. Don't play this early. Don't do that. It is a good way of making uh, a lot of people raise their eyebrows at you and then raise their swords at you and then bring down their swords upon you and you don't get to play anymore. One of the meaner ways to make uh, Jessica really, really effective is by casting Repeated Reverberation. This is a two generic red-red instant. When you next cast an instant spell, of which there are many in the deck, cast a sorcery spell. There aren't a lot, and you're probably not going to. Or activate a loyalty ability this turn. Aha! Copy that spell or ability twice. You may choose new targets for the copies. I would love to give something nine times damage when it hits a player. 
wouldn't you? This is our way to actually make that happen. Um, you can do this with a couple of other effects that are pretty nice, but that's the big one. Let's really get in there. Let's really make sure that somebody is leaving the game if we can help it, because oofa doofa, that's a good way to put somebody out. And also, Rachel, I'm still really sorry about that. You were scary, though. It was it was justified. We got two more to look into. One of them doesn't exactly make me feel great. The other one does. Uh, so let's go ahead and start with the one that doesn't make us feel great, and that is Grafted Exoskeleton. I know, I know, we're giving Infect into our very nice Boros deck. For generic, for an artifact equipment, equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, and has Infect. Now, Infect, it deals combat damage to creatures in the form of minus one, minus one counters, and to players in the form of poison counters. Whenever a player has ten or more poison counters, they die, they lose the game. The other thing that Grafted Exoskeleton says is whenever it becomes unattached from a permanent, sacrifice that permanent. So this is one of those cards that it needs to be a win-con. This has to be a, I'm going to remove this player or hopefully the last player from the game because you're not going to survive long if people see this on board. People really don't like Infect in a casual setting. And I... I kind of get that because it does remove a player fairly easy if you just latch onto them. But at the same time, it, it feels harder to do 10 combat damage to every player. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Uh, but that's also because I don't have the collection of all of the infect cards that cost a lot more than I'd be willing to pay to make it happen. But, you know, better that than mass land destruction as far as I'm concerned. If we're talking about something that makes somebody very, very upset, and I had missed this card originally because I think I put it out of my mind because of exactly how mean it is, let's talk about Overwhelming Splendor. Now, this is six generic, white, white, for an enchantment or a curse where you enchant player. Creatures enchanted player controls lose all abilities and have base power and toughness 1-1. One, one. Enchanted player can't activate abilities that aren't man abilities or loyalty abilities. So... When you talk about making the arch enemy fall, or just deciding to become the arch enemy, this is a really good way to do so. Overwhelming Splendor is always a good card. However, if you want to be a monster, one of the things that you can do is target a player that you need to bring down a peg for a little bit. And know that on combat, on your turn you can choose to move that aura onto another player. It can get really, really, really dangerous to wield that amount of power every combat. So make sure that you're on the same page with everybody at your ta table. Otherwise, not only are you the actual threat, but you might not be doing something that everybody else considers fun. This is a card that I have destroyed with my own disenchant destroy target permanent effects before because it brought somebody down to a standstill. I thought the game was about to end and then it goes into that new, oh, nope, the game is not ending. We're revamping. We're, we're building back up. And I don't want somebody to build back up into a state like that if I can help it. But it is a good finisher if you need one. Let's talk about a more fun finisher and one of my one of my favorite cards that I recently discovered and unfortunately has been a card for a lot longer than I thought, and that is Master Warcraft. Now, this is two generic and Boros Boros. So that's a red and a white, two red or two white. 
for an instant. Cast this spell only before attackers are declared. You choose which creatures attack this turn. You choose which creatures block this turn and how those creatures block. This is literally a I get to D&D Warhammer. I'm going to decide combat this round for everything involved. Sometimes you can use this as a really nice fog. Sometimes you can use this as a good way to make somebody's uh, uh, creatures that would never attack but have static abilities or have really powerful abilities. You can make them attack and attack into a board state that they wouldn't normally do. But let's be real, everybody. This is everybody is Voltron. So what does Master Warcraft do? Well, it decides that it's going to go ahead and make make somebody take the uh, power Jessica, whatever Voltron commander that you've made or Voltron creature that you've made to really just wreck shop on somebody for a little bit. Which, hey, if you're looking for a way to finish the game, you know, doing 75 damage with your pumped up Jessica double strike creature that can't be blocked well that certainly is one way to do it so that's the deck uh, i'm going to include the actual uh link to the deck in tapped out on our show notes but the reason that we play this deck is we like to interact with our opponents and i know that's extremely difficult in these times yes some local game shops are starting to open up some aren't uh we're talking about a pandemic in this era it's a little difficult. I understand. So the one thing I want to make sure that doesn't happen is that we don't stop thinking about the actual table setting, the interacting with the players. And I know that's a lot more difficult when you can't see players' faces or you can't interact with them on a regular basis. There's a lot of discords out there that are people looking for spell table games. Setting up a mic to play a game, people are going to be encouraging. And one of the things that I had the biggest challenge with with this deck is, well, how do I have everybody receive all of these, receive all this equipment, receive all of these items that I want to boon their creatures with or the deals that I want to make? That's a lot harder in this setting. You know what? Sometimes you just have to get creative. I literally made a laminated sheet so I could just say, okay, here is all of the stuff that this creature that I am going to give all of this equipment and all of this stuff to. And then I would check off and circle everything on the sheet. Because I would rather do a little bit extra to be able to interact with the people that I'm playing with, even if I can't see their faces, even if I can't talk to them as much. I want to make sure that this is going to be a fun time for everybody. The last thing that we want to do is in the best era for magic, because things have just been getting better and better as far as the cards, the amount of sets that we're getting, all of the content that's being created. It's also by far its worst era because of the reality of the outside world. If you haven't played a game in a long time and you just want to get out there, pick up a webcam and reach out to us. Reach out to uh, some of the other content creators that are out there that are doing awesome work. Discord communities full of people that are asking, is anybody available for a game? There are plenty of opportunities to get out there and really enjoy the game of Magic, and albeit not in the same table setting that we're possibly used to. But it's one of those things where 
we started streaming games just a couple of weeks ago. And the amount of joy that we had at the table after not playing for a long time was immense. We started this podcast based off the ability to talk about the cards and the effects that we love and the philosophy that we play with when we're talking about Commander. And I think out of a little bit of frustration that we weren't able to do all of the things that we wanted to. And things are getting a little bit better. Vaccines, all that good stuff. The main premise is if you want to have the opportunity to play Magic, it exists. So if you are looking for a game, we can point you in the right direction. You can go ahead and contact us on Twitter at EDH underscore social or email us at the social contract EDH at gmail.com. You can find us streaming games at twitch.tv slash the social contract pod. And if you want to get a hold of a judge that loves answering questions and helping people, you can find Alex at Lappermedic on Twitter. If you've enjoyed the conversation whatsoever, please subscribe and rate the podcast. If you've liked any of the cards or the deck, or you need some deck boxes, sleeves, etc., you can support us by going to bit.ly slash edh underscore social. We hope to talk to you again. We hope to see you on Thursday night. But I'll tell you what, everybody, take care of yourselves. Unclench your jaw, relax your shoulders, get some water. We'll see you soon.